Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. The gospel message isn't complicated. It's God's offer of grace to sinners who don't deserve it. It's a simple extension of pardon to anyone willing to accept a guilty verdict and come and receive it. Why is it then that multitudes are not lined up at the door wanting to get it? Well, the answer is simple. Most people don't take God seriously when he says that we are in need of salvation, that he must judge sin in hell and the lake of fire, that we are as bad as he says we are. There are people who are willing to acknowledge this, but sadly, they try to deal with it in their own way. They feel that they need to do good things to please God. After all, you get what you work for, right? Well, in fact, that's wrong. The gospel message is good news for sinners who can't do anything to save themselves, and that describes all of us. God himself has provided the means for you to have your sins forgiven and heaven as your home, and you can know it for sure. Are you interested? Then follow along as evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff explains God's way of salvation. The Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read first in Luke chapter 14. You know, we're here preaching the Gospel. You probably noticed on the front of the hymn book it said the Gospel hymn book. That word Gospel means good news, but there is a false gospel going on that is not good news at all. And yet it's the message that's probably most people in the world believe. People believe that you earn your salvation by good works or you deserve it by good character. Most religions teach that one way or another. The problem is, even though it seems right, the Bible says the end of it is death. Adam and Eve tried it, tried it with some leaves. And Cain tried it with some fruit of the ground. One of the presidents of the United States of America once said when his legal aid died, and this is a quote, he said, My deepest hope is that his soul will receive the grace and salvation that his good life and good works earned. Bad advice from a leader. A famous pastor used to be on television emphasizing the power of positive thinking. And this is a quote from him. He said, just so we think good thoughts and just so we do good, we believe all will go to heaven. Anybody here think anything like that? See, salvation by works is so deeply ingrained in the human mind, that it's only the Spirit of God that can take that away. People don't like to think they need help. They don't like to think they need grace or even charity. They want to do it by themselves. See, grace makes it clear that we need help. And there's nothing that we can add to God's salvation. The Jesus plus fallacy has been taught for years. Salvation by works 
It's kind of difficult because how would you know when you've done enough? Or whether you've done the right kind of works? So by nature, people don't like grace. They don't want it for themselves, and they really don't want God to show it. But I'm going to read to you tonight three stories, brief, just little parts of them, in the Gospel of Luke, that were spoken of by the Lord Jesus, and it simplifies all of this down into just a few short words. Notice at verse 16 of chapter 14, Then he said unto him, A certain man made a a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time, to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. Is come a hard word to understand? Have you ever come to Christ? So we read here of a a feast and a voice from heaven. Turn over to the next chapter, chapter 15, and verse 14. This is the story of the prodigal son that a lot of people have heard. Verse 14, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And would he fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So we read of a feast and a voice from heaven. And in our second reading here, we read of a famine and a voice from the world. Now just turn to the next chapter, chapter 16. And we'll read a few verses beginning at verse 22. came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell. He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. We read of a flame and a voice from hell. I would find it very difficult if a person was supposed to speak for God and didn't tell me the truth, but would try to wrap things up so that it would make me feel good. We're not looking to make people feel comfortable here tonight. We're here because we have a message that comes from God, and it is a clear gospel, but it isn't a gospel that would say you can do it on your own. When our Lord Jesus was here, he made it clear by this invitation that came right from God himself to preachers all over the world and to Christians, you spread out and tell the people to come, for all things are now ready. Every now and then we get these wedding invitations, and they give a certain place and time and date, and down at the bottom they have this RSVP, reply soon, very promptly. That's the American way. I'm not sure how you say it up in French, but that's how we would take it. Reply soon, very promptly. In other words, are you going to come or not? When somebody gives an invitation, they have a right to expect that you're going to respond to it one way or the other. And so that's what God has done. He's told people to go around to this world where we live in, our part of the world, and tell people that God has provided a feast. On his feast table, there is forgiveness of sins. 
On his feast table, there is everlasting life. On God's feast table, there is peace with God. On God's feast table, there is joy that lasts forevermore. On God's feast table, there is fellowship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ and all his people that goes on forever. I mean, it is one of those things that you can only dream about. It's like having Christmas dinner every day forever. I mean, as far as the fellowship and the friendship that comes. And so God says to us to tell the people all over this world, come for all things are now ready. Now, some people hook their toe on that word, come. They say, well, but it doesn't say anything about believe. Well, you know, we have two little girls who are grown up now, and they got their own children. But I can recall one time I came home, and our youngest, she was anxious to walk probably from the time she was born. Some people are like that. She was anxious to get going in life, and she pulled out all the stops. And But my wife kind of held her back from taking her first steps until I got home one night. And so we sat down on the rug in the living room, and... Uh, She's over here and with the little girl, and I'm over here, and I'm sitting on the floor, and I said, all right. I said, come, and I held my arms out like that. And she looked at me and looked at her mother, and she moved out with one hand to the end of her mother's hand, moving out a little bit farther. And I stayed back a ways. I said, now, you got to come to me. And so I held up my two hands like this, come. She came out as far as she could, and she looked at me, and she looked at her mother, and then she let go of her mother's hand, and she came. Now, that's not complicated. It's not hard to leave one place and go to another. That's what you do when you come. You leave where you are, and you go to another spot. And that's exactly what God intends you here tonight to do. He intends you to leave where you are in your sins and leave it and come to Christ. He's not just saying, come and join a new religion. Look, a hundred years from now, who cares what religion you are? Won't make a bit of difference. The only thing that will count is if you came to Christ. So my daughter left her mother and came to her father. But I mean, she never stopped from then on. And you know, when a person is prepared to come to Christ, you're just starting a good life. So the C stands for come for the children. So there's some children here tonight. God wants you to come to Jesus. He's not asking you to come to a Sunday school for salvation. He's asking you to come to the Lord Jesus for salvation. And that's not a hard thing. That's why we sing C-O-M-E, come. That's all he asks of me. He did all the work. There's nothing to do or be. There on Calvary's cross, he died for everyone, and all he asks for me to do is C-O-M-E, come. O is for the old people. Now, I'm not going to ask the old people to identify yourself here, because I'm probably older than most of you. But I know what it's like to have lived through a good bit of my life. You know, the oldest man I ever met in my life was 107. And when I went in to visit him, uh, his daughter, who was 86 or 7, wanted me to talk to him about salvation. And I did. And the poor old gentleman lay there. He wasn't sick. He was just old. He said, lean in here, he said, and holler at me because I said I'm as deaf as a rock. So I did. I hollered the gospel into his ear. And after a few minutes, I told him about Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ died for the ungodly. 
And I gave him verses of scripture. He said, all right, that's enough. He said, uh, I figure I served the devil this long. I'll stick with him the rest of the way. He would not come. But the oldest man that God ever allowed me to be involved with pointing to Christ was 99 years old. And he said, uh, when I asked him to come out to me, well, he said, I haven't been to a church since I was 18. He said, I got married at 18, and I married a girl from a different religion, and they kicked me out of the church. So he said, all right, I won't go back. And he said, I haven't. It's a long time from 18 to 99. But he said, I think I could make it. He had one of those four-legged walkers, you know, boom, you know how they do when they walk with them. They have little wheels on the front and little skids in the back. And he said, I think I'll sit right up in the front with the kids. He said, I can't hear very well. He wasn't embarrassed. He decided if he was going to come, he was going to come. Didn't make any difference, the complications. And he, if he's going to come, he wanted to hear it all. After coming to the gospel meetings every night for three weeks, 99 years old now, him and his wife. I went to his home the last day. Do you have everlasting life? And he said, no. Have you come to Christ? No, he said, I don't think I have. Would you like to come to Christ more than anything else in this world? Now, he didn't know how to read. Never did learn how to read. So I said, I'm going to read to you a verse out of the Bible. And I want to see if you understand what I'm reading. So I'm going to ask you a question every now and then. This is what it says. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Now I said, who do you think was the son that the Bible is talking about? Well, he said, from what I hear, that would be the son of God. I said, what's his name? He said, Jesus. So he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. I said, okay, here's the next part. He that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So I said, what does that mean? Well, he said, that's Plain, he said, uh, if a person believes on Jesus, they have everlasting life. And if they don't, he said, they're in major trouble. I said, you're a good listener. So I said, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I said, believing is like coming. And coming is like you don't come to a person unless you trust them. And I told him a little story about my girl. So I said, have you ever come to Christ? He said, no. I said, if you believe on somebody, how would you let them know you believe on him? He said, I guess I'd have to tell him. I said, that's good. So I said, have you ever done that? He said, no. I said, well, why not? He said, I guess I never thought it was that simple. I said, well, what are you going to do? Now, he was sitting on one of these electric chairs, you know, you, like a lazy boy that has. And so he pushed this button, and the chair started coming up, straighten him up. and. He couldn't, he had arthritis, he had a job, and he pushed that thing up till he was standing upright. And he didn't close his eyes because he would have fallen over, but he said, God, I do believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I do believe that Jesus died for me. Now, do you think he became a Christian? <laughs> when he finished whatever he said there, he looked over, he says, read that verse again. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He said, I've got everlasting life. Ninety-nine years of living, and finally, 
I got everlasting life. I was baptized as a believer at 100. He said to me, boy, I wish my boys would have heard this. He said, I had boys and I never told them that. One of them was 76 and one was 83. And he died at 104. And his sons were there. And they heard what I just told you now. Now, you older folks, have you ever come to Christ? What excuse could you give to him for not believing on him? Has he done you harm? Has he walked away from you when you needed him? Has he tantalized you and then let you drop? No. You can trust Christ with your soul 100% if you'll come to him. Now, how about you middle-aged folks? I know, busy, 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 busy. That's the way it is when you're middle-aged. But do you know that there is no excuse that anybody can ever give for not coming to Christ? I met a man one time, God spoke to him in the gospel meeting, and he was on the peak of a roof, putting a cap on the shingles when God saved him. I know another man who was saved when he was milking a cow. And I've met people that were saved driving a car, and they pulled over just last summer. Young man in his 30s, knew the gospel all his life, and he was sitting in a Burger King early in the morning, half past five or six o'clock, having one of those kind of sandwiches that people do when they're in a rush. And he said, I looked across and there's a couple of men over there. And he said, looked to me like they had a Bible. And he said, here's me, 34, designing cars and all that. And he said, I knew about the Bible. And he said, I just thought, God, it would be nice if somebody ever talked to me about the Bible again. They always did when I was young, but I've tried to stay away from Christians. And, and that was about it. And he said, those two men got up and walked out, and I saw them get in their car and drive out of the parking lot. And one of them whacked his car in reverse and backed up. Came back into the parking lot and pulled into a slot, got out of the car and walked in through the door, and he looked around, and he, and he walked right over to him. He said, I've never met you, but the Spirit of God tells me that I have to tell you. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he said, I got right trembling. He said, I didn't believe that God would answer like that. And he said, God wants to save you if you'll trust him and come to Christ. And he turned around and went back and got in his car and drove away. And said, I could hardly drive my car when I was going down the highway to go to work. And he said, I actually had to pull off on the side of the freeway and shove back my moonroof. And I looked up and he said, God, you found me. Lamb of God, I come. You can come. The invitation is to everyone. It comes from God. It's a feast and a voice from heaven. It's not complicated to come to Christ. You just got to want to. Anybody here would like forgiveness of sins? Come to Christ. Because if you go out to Toronto and try every kind of sin, and leave and go over to Chicago or Detroit, and leave there and go to New York City, and leave there and go anywhere in the world and try everything that you wanted to try, you'll end up just like the prodigal son, a famine. It'll never satisfy your soul. You can try every taste of liquor, every party that's ever been around, every drug that's ever been given to people to try and change their attitude, and you'll still be sinking in your soul because all you can say is, I have sinned. It's all this world can offer you. A fame and a voice from hell. That's the problem, see. We're all going to die. And we can't avoid telling you this. 
you are not done at death day. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So, when you leave here, and when somebody comes along, and if I drop down here all 240-some pounds of me, and somebody comes up and wherever they push on to try and find out if I'm alive or dead, somebody say, he's gone. What do you mean, gone? He's there. No, that's only the body. But inside here, I live, looking out through these windows and talking through this door and telling you that this life is only the beginning. And every one of us is going out to everlasting happiness in heaven or everlasting misery in hell. And as far as I know from the Bible, that the only words that we've got that have come from hell are, have mercy on me. I'm tormented in this flame. You don't want to be there. So the voice comes from heaven. Come, all things are now ready. And the voices will come back. I have sinned. Just make me a servant. And a voice from the deep, dark place of lost souls. Have mercy on me and send somebody to tell the others, don't come to this place. So, what are you going to do? Will you come? Will you go out and try some more sin to see if you can find some pleasurable satisfaction? Or will you wait till you die to see whether there's a hell? Or will you be wise and seek the Lord tonight and come? Jesus said it so wonderfully. He said it like this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It is not complicated to come to Christ. You've just got to want to. Will you do it now? Yes, my friend, the voice from heaven says, Come, for all things are now ready. The offer is free. There is nothing for you to do. So have you weighed up the matter? Are you going to take your chances on whether or not there is a real hell or whether you can avoid it through your own efforts? Are you going to believe God? Well, there is a hell, and the only way you can escape it is to trust the one who died to put away your sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, why don't you come to Christ today? You need to, and you will be forever glad that you did. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest to you. My name is John Sharp. 
and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. Mm-hmm.